Ladies and gentlemen, people of all ages, witches and werewolves, and the honey badger, it's another throwback to that old school quirky intro I used to do when we first launched The Modern Recordist, and that's because we're celebrating one year of the podcast with episode 53 and part two of our little one year of podcasting celebration, which really consists of mostly just me patting myself on the back and exclaiming, yay, we did it. But nonetheless, it's a fun uh, milestone for the show and an opportunity for constructive, constructive reflection on what's working for me in my life and perhaps an opportunity to share some of those things with you in an effort to support you on your journey. So thanks for listening. Whether you've been here since the beginning or if this is the first episode you've happened to catch, this has been a fun project and a fun journey and a fun experience of learning and personal growth, and it wouldn't have meant anything if you didn't subscribe and listen week after week. And on that note, please do make sure that you get subscribed and stay subscribed to The Modern Recordist. The two ways to do that are by going to my website, johnstinson.com, and entering your email in the sign-up form there on the front page. I'll make sure you never miss an episode, and I'll also send you other valuable things on recording, mixing, uh, producing, and maximizing your creative power. But if you're more of an iTunes person, you can fire up your podcasting app on your iPhone or pop open iTunes on your laptop or desktop Search for The Modern Recordist and then click or tap that little subscribe button there. While on iTunes, do make sure that you leave a quick, uh, take a quick second to leave a little rating and review as well. Good and honest ratings and reviews clue other people in to the value that you're getting out of this show. And it helps us to continue to create content and bring on guests that you enjoy and you find valuable in uh, your continual pursuit of music creation. And of course, if you're getting something out of this podcast, share your favorite episode with a friend or three. Go ahead and drop a link in a text message or an email or a Facebook post or a tweet. Perhaps even take to Instagram or Snapchat and let everyone know how much you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. I want to jump over to iTunes real quick uh, right now, actually, and read you another five-star review that came in. Uh, this one came from Asterisk KMB, and they say, Primarily, finding this podcast for my love of philosophy and maximizing human potential, I found great value in listening to John's insights and life discussions that apply across all areas of life. Although always have been a fan of music of all varieties, other priorities have kept me from ever delving into the foundation of it more deeply. The podcast has really enhanced my respect and appreciation for all that goes into song creation and appreciating the power that intentional music creates in the world. Encourage all to check it out. Um, thank you, Asterisk KMB or Star KMB. It's always tricky to uh, figure out how to properly address someone by uh, their username, but in any case, thank you so much for this awesome review. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave such thoughtful and encouraging words, and uh, I'm so glad that you're getting so much value out of this podcast. All right, you modern recordists, if you have not already, take a quick second, 
to leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's a tiny little investment of your time that costs nothing, yet it supports the show in huge ways. This is the podcast where we talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artistic visionary in my own right, and I welcome you to episode 53 of The Modern Recordist, part two of our one year of podcasting celebration and the episode that fills out 12 complete months of fresh episodes week after week to bring you a complete year of The Modern Recordist. Last week, I did a solo episode, the shorter alternate episodes that I like to call the producer's notes, which was the third back-to-back solo episode for the month of May, and this week, I'm doing kind of a hybrid episode. I have managed to bring on a guest, a particular guest that holds special significance to our little one-year celebration, uh, as he was the first guest ever on The Modern Recordist. So I wanted to bring him back, but I also wanted to spend a few minutes at the top of the show to share a few more thoughts on how I've grown over the last year and share some action steps on how you can experience powerful personal growth in order to uh, do more and achieve more. I just thought this would all make for a nice little bookend. So uh, you will find out who our guest is when I bring him on here shortly. Or of course, if you happen to look at the title of this episode, well, I guess you uh, already know who it is. Last week was episode 52, an edition of the producer's notes and the episode that I decided to call part one of a two-part miniseries to mark one year of The Modern Recordist as episode 52, uh, more or less was pretty much the 52nd week of a weekly show. However, we did launch the show with three episodes right out of the gate in week one, so that's why I consider episode 52 and episode 53 to both be the one-year episodes of The Modern Recordist. Episode 52 gives us 52 weekly episodes, but episode 53 completes our content from a calendar standpoint, as next Wednesday, June 1st, will be the actual anniversary date of The Modern Recordist. And uh, I really wanted to have our first guest ever back on the show and in this year of podcasting with a guest, rather than just me uh, talking at you the entire time, just seem more fun. Uh, hey, but do make sure you get in on uh, this full one-year podcasting celebration. If you have not yet listened to episode 52, drop in on that. I shared some thoughts on what I learned through uh, one-year podcast, producing this podcast. Uh, um, I, uh, I'll do, be doing more of that here in just a second. But, um, you know, I, I shared uh, on that previous episode last week uh, what self-improvement results I realized and how, can, how you can adopt the mindset to achieve anything, particularly in dealing with your resistance. So this is a great moment for me to mention the most recommended book of this podcast throughout its first year, which is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And the term The Resistance comes from this book, and it's that part of our mind 
that seeks to self-sabotage with limiting beliefs and fears and procrastination, uh, imposter syndrome, laziness, uh, even how you handle other life situations that you can allow to be a function of your resistance if you choose that narrative, stuff like your car breaking down or having your bank account wiped out or having catastrophic damage to your home and other life disasters. Yeah, this stuff's all real and it's serious and uh, makes life pretty challenging, but it does not have to be an excuse to stop you. Uh, you can choose to carry on. So The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield has been the most recommended book through the first year of the podcast. It's um, one of the most motivating resources towards building artistic momentum and developing a mindset that yields productive artistic results. And even, you know, for me, reading The War of Art was also an exercise in self-discovery. Uh, many of you have sent me messages or otherwise told me that you you picked up and read The War of Art on my recommendation. So if you've not already grabbed the book and read it, don't just take it from me. Take it from other listeners of this podcast that this book should be on your nightstand. Uh, if you have any hand in the creation of music or if you write or otherwise create art or Honestly, even if you don't, even if you're an entrepreneur working on building your business, The War of Art is a powerful must-read. Um, so uh, check out the show notes at johnstenson.com slash TMR053. That's J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. Remember, there's no H in John. And uh, I'll have an Amazon affiliate link to the book so you can buy it. You know, um, I, I have nothing to do with The War of Art. I don't get any commissions. Uh, I don't even know Stephen Pressfield. And, uh, you know, they. Uh, I don't get paid for plugging this book. And I've plugged it so much. Just give, I, I just, you know, I'm such a fan. I, I've just given Mr. Pressfield a ton of, uh, I guess, free promotion over uh, the course of launching this podcast, but it just, you know, it's a book that made an impression on me and I genuinely feel strongly about it. Uh, perhaps in the future I will, uh, maybe I'll get to have Steven Pressfield on this podcast. I think that would be pretty awesome. But, uh, in any case, um, I would be very grateful if you would click on my affiliate link and purchase the war of art through my, through my Amazon affiliate link. Um, as by doing so, you would uh, be directly supporting this podcast. So check it out at johnstenson.com slash TMR053. You'll find all the show notes and links there, including this uh, affiliate link. So that's a little recap from last week's episode where I talked about some of the many things I've learned about how to achieve anything and how to ignite powerful personal growth all through the first year of producing this podcast. I talk a little about overcoming your resistance. I talk a little about getting outside of your comfort zone. I talk about the rewards on the other side of these challenges and how it all plays a huge role in helping you to achieve anything. Fish, finish listening to this episode and then make sure you check out episode 52, which is part one of our two-part miniseries celebrating one year of the modern recordist. Uh, now, before I get into the second part of this episode with our guest, I want to take a few more minutes to further reflect on what I've learned in the past year, particularly the idea of challenging yourself. Um, as I think back a year, I'm a bit surprised by the fact that I continue to produce this podcast week after week while also traveling every month and keeping a regular recording or mixing session happening at the studio. 
Um, you know, while some of my personal pursuits, such as continuing to train in martial arts and developing a regular mobility practice and expanding my knowledge of wellness and nutrition, that stuff kind of fell off a bit. But, you know, I, 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 I even still maintained these pursuits to an extent. Um, but small moment by small moment, doing the daily little practices that aren't beaming with glory and reward, I stuck with it until one day. I had accomplished something significant, and at the risk of this now sounding uh, a little bit braggy at this point, uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, I'm now rethinking what and how much I'm capable of, and I've realized on a deeper level how important it is to put yourself around people who take action and achieve big things, people who will challenge you, people who will encourage you to challenge yourself and people who will hold you accountable, but most importantly, to continue to challenge yourself and to engineer ways to do so on a daily basis. Think of this uh, as part of your daily fitness routine. Just like you go to the gym to maintain your physical fitness, uh, so should you also routinely, I think every day, work to develop yourself and uh, to evolving your mentality uh, and uh, your emotional prowess by pursuing worthy challenges in all areas of your life. Uh, this happens by living intentionally and developing a lifestyle habit of pushing yourself to achieve big goals, to declare what you want to achieve in all areas of your life, and then write out and commit to a plan to make these things real. Maybe you want to triple your audience within the next year. Maybe you want to learn how to play two new instruments and triple your proficiency on the main instrument that you currently play. Maybe you want to launch your own podcast. Maybe you want to triple the amount of money that you make through playing music. Your goals should be big enough that you feel challenged and perhaps a little anxious at the thought of pursuing them. Perhaps uh, the bigger overarching goal should uh, be to use every single day as an exercise in pushing our boundaries in regards to what we believe about what we're capable of. Um, we're all capable of doing and achieving so much more than we acknowledge we actually can. Uh, we often fall into a cycle of limiting beliefs and scarcity that we don't have enough time or enough resources in our life to achieve more than we currently are achieving. The point I'm making here is that uh, there's always going to be quote, impossible challenges as you embark on your journey of living your vision. Uh, think of the passion project you're working on. Think of the, the vision you have for your life and, and for what you want to create. A worthy vision is a big vision, one that is uh, so big that it's going to require you to expand your mind and think, uh, think different in order to achieve it and, and change your, your daily habits and your routines. Uh, it's going to require you to dig deep and rethink what you're capable of, to uh, rethink what you believe is possible for you and, and, and see everything different and take different actions and cut certain things out of your life and incorporate new things into your life. Um, you know, and there's always going to be an incredible amount of resistance cropping up all along your journey of living your vision. But so what? Um, if you want to live life as truly extraordinary artistic visionary, you're going to have to step into challenge every single day. You're going to have to rethink what you're capable of. 
So uh, what are your current challenges and uh, how can you step into them hard? How can you engineer challenging situations every day in order to experience powerful breakthrough and profound personal growth? What daily habits can you develop in order to reframe what you believe you're capable of? Here's some quick ideas to perhaps spark something. Uh, begin a meditation practice. Maybe three minutes first thing in the morning. Maybe three minutes before you go to sleep at night. But something that's a regular uh, habit of mindfulness. Uh, maybe start getting up one hour earlier each day. Uh, read the War of Art. Uh, meet one new person each month and have a quality conversation with them. Launch a new project in addition to what you're already currently working on. Uh, double your current output. For example, write twice as many songs in the next 12 months as you did in the last 12 months. Pick up a physical activity or a sport. Um, you know, this idea of start before you're ready. What's the thing that you've been thinking about and saying, pushing it back? I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Start before you're ready. Just do it. Just go. Meditate on the word fear. Write down a short list of, of the things that came up and then just go do that stuff. By the way, I'm going to put the uh, necessary disclaimer on this item despite that it shouldn't be necessary. Obviously, I'm not talking about committing a crime or harming yourself or harming someone else or otherwise doing something uh, majorly destructive. You know, there's many things that we have fear around for healthy, functional, rational region, reasons of self-preservation and survival, but I trust that you know I'm talking about pushing yourself past your irrational limiting beliefs like a fear of public speaking and not something completely reckless like jumping into a pit of angry, starving tigers. So let's all double down on our efforts to make real what we're committed to creating and blow the lid off our current limiting beliefs. All right, my friends, let's bring him on. My guest this week is a very talented songwriter who has also written, produced, and released a couple of albums as an artist in his own right. Uh, he's written songs and had cuts with Emerson Drive, Billy Dean, Lori Morgan, played guitar on the road for people such as Brett Eldridge and Jeanette McCurdy. He's appeared on the Today Show a couple of times and even played live on television for Today Show host Hoda Kotb. He's a regular here in Nashville at Legendary Establishments, such as the Bluebird Cafe and the Listening Room. So next time you're in or around Nashville, drop in and check him out. Friends and modern recordists, please welcome to the show for his second appearance, getting us geared up for the second part of this episode with his song Mirror, songwriter, producer, and recording artist, and a good friend of mine, Paul Sykes. Like a spider waiting in her web You're praying for your prey to take a glance You're just a mirror Oh, you're just a mirror You don't ask questions when I'm staring at you Oh, without a word you tell the truth you're just a mirror Oh, you're just a mirror If you talk when I talk 
And move when I move How come you're not broken too? Who are you to tell me who to be? And who are you to tell me what to see? You're just a mirror. Oh, you're just a mirror. No, I don't like the way you're staring at me. How is it that you got this hold on me? You're just a mirror Oh, you're just a mirror If you blink when I blink Do everything I do Then how come you're not broken too? When the lights go out, you lose your effect I need the midnight so I can't reflect You're just a mirror Oh, you're just a mirror With this hammer in my hands I'm about to make you look just like this man Dude, killer mirror. That's kind Thank of a you. that's kind of a haunting song, and that's one uh, that's that's something from sort of a uh, a different project that you um, you did a little while ago. Yeah, a little yeah, more of an yeah. experimental thing. I like to. I love the indie kind of stuff too, and uh, that was a side that side of me I wanted to delve into with a couple buddies. We we did a, I guess a, a vanity project, uh, if you will. Uh, just some quirky songs we wrote. That happened to be one of them. Uh, cool. But one probably my favorite off that little project we did cool. we, were, we were called the the ionians cool. which uh if you know the modes of music ionian is the the tonic of the scale you know the root of the scale and we just thought uh we'd go through a musical endeavor and that's cool yeah we we came up with a record called a uh, silhouette of a strange place and and uh that's probably my favorite song off off the record so cool man yeah awesome yeah it's got um it's got kind of a little bit of a dark ending there and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a haunting song i, I enjoyed that man lyrically it's cool so awesome dude you're um you, you know you're i would i like to regard this as like the first time that i've officially had a repeat guest on the show and right, so on. welcome back to the show. And I thought that, so I, so this show's been happening for, um, this is like one year of the, of the modern recording. Yeah. That's crazy. That that was a year ago. I came to the yeah, class. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And, um, 
So I wanted to have you back on because you were our first guest ever. I'm the flagship man. Yeah, it's awesome. Can't run so without me. We got to do a full <laughs> circle here. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. So, um, so cool. Welcome back, and thanks for coming thanks for and like me. hanging out over at uh, over at my place today. We're um, we're just like you know hanging in my little makeshift recording nook at my house, making this happen today. And yeah, it's man. awesome. It's good to be here. Yeah, always. Yeah, man. Cool. And you've been uh, super busy, huh? Working on some yeah. cool new stuff. The, I, of course, I'm always writing. You know, uh, that never changes. But I've, we might have touched on this last time too. But uh, I've I've been doing a whole lot of production, and that's definitely not slowed down at all. Working with some artists that I really believe in, and uh, also just doing songwriter demos for uh, people in town needing that service. And I, I enjoy learning the process i always you know as you know the the process of producing and, and mixing is is endless yeah always something to learn always totally. a new trick and so that's a lot of fun for me and it doesn't seem like i've uh my fire for that's died down at all it's continued so i yeah it's been super busy i'm i'm thankful too because yeah you know to be able to make a living doing music is in any capacity is is amazing yeah so i'm just I'm thankful to That's be awesome. busy, you know. Yeah, so steady stream of sort yeah. of making records for other people yeah, right now and totally. stuff. Yeah, still still good. doing a bit of writing, but but mostly. Um, yeah, right now uh, I've I've had a few writing deals. Uh, right now I'm I'm not in a, a deal of sorts. So my my source my main source of income is producing yeah, and recording studio for other work people. and stuff. Studio work. And so yeah, and so you've got um you've got um. um set up at your house too yeah yeah got yeah. like a you've built a studio at your house and and done all that slowly and, but surely yeah that's cool that's kind of that's cool that's kind of how it works you know in in uh modern sort of modern times you sort of slowly amass right your own gear debt. and stuff that, yeah <laughs> slowly amass debt actually that doesn't happen slowly that's like all yeah. of a sudden you write a check and you're like uh what or right. you just you know you're running the credit card and well, you don't even 30 years of my life yeah i know it's like what but yeah yeah, that's uh, that's cool, um, but yeah, man, you built up a cool little nook over there, and but you float around to you do some track at track yeah, at other spots uh, too. I like to track at other places too, and, and get with because uh, the way my house is set up, you know, or studio, uh, I'm building tracks, you know, which is pretty yeah. popular here. But I also, of course, love to get with those a list session players and, yeah. and and get a band together and do the whole live thing, and uh, nothing beats that sometimes. Sure. So. Enjoy yeah. the whole the whole spectrum of it, you know. Yeah. So you know, uh, um, uh, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Just like a lot of times, I don't get into that kind of stuff like right away. But but I love um, you know kind of this this just looking at like how people are making records today. You know, when like studio situations, record making, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, in our modern sort of time of like, because you and I were talking a little bit about before we turn on the mics a minute ago about, you know, Mac minis and stuff and how much, how powerful they've gotten. There's a lot of people who are just, you know, using Mac minis now to, to as their, as their rig, as opposed to, you know, these big tower computers with all the HD cards and all that stuff in there. And I know you've been looking at maybe looking into upgrading a few things. We talked about that. So, um, yeah, you know, and there's a lot of you know, like, like I've talked about on the show before, there's a lot of, um, yeah, I started at like this traditional studio, you know, big consoles, like tape machines, Pro Tools rig, tons of microphones that, and then, and then, you know, after a few years of doing that, 
moved to like making records out of people's houses, but like making legit records right. out of people's houses. And then, you know, having like legit gear, like, you know, there was some studios I've, I've worked at, like, you know, I've made records and I've had people over here, you know, cutting vocals on a little rig, but that ultimately end up being like the lead vocals on a record. I work right. at people's like, you know, studios that, that it's in like the basement of their house, but there's like, you know, racks and racks of gear, you know what I mean? So how do you, you know, then there's people who there's like, there's all kinds of, like I read articles about people just like they put stuff in their car and they go and they just like turn their car into a recording studio and drive around the country and stuff like that, which is actually something I'd like to probably huh. experiment with at some point, you know, it'd be kind of fun. Maybe like take this podcast on the road or something. That'd be but, awesome, man. But, you know, there's just so many different recipes, you know, of like going into a studio and doing some tracks and then taking it home and finishing or just like building tracks. It's, it's endless. Yeah. I think it's cool because nowadays you can literally, you can make a state-of-the-art sounding record. If you have a little bit of bass knowledge and you know, and you have a little bit of gear, not even a lot, you can make a killer sonic yeah. project. And, uh, but I've also real, realized too that while, while you can do that, you can have something that sounds better than what might have happened 20 years ago, but that doesn't mm-hmm. make it better. Yeah. At the end of the day, it always comes down to uh, to the art and to the musicianship and, and right. all that. Because, you know, you go back and uh, I'm a huge Beatles fan and, and the stuff, the 70s rock and mono drums, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's just like bounced down to like four tracks. Yeah. And, and you, you, could, you could go to a, a bedroom and, and sonically make a more superior sound. Mm-hmm. But man, you, that, that's not going to mean it's a, a better record. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. Uh, so, but it's so much fun being able to, if you know, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't able to have a home studio because mm-hmm. I don't have a multi-million dollar recording facility. Yeah. So it's amazing to be able to to have a vision and uh, and lay it down. Yeah. Uh, it, a fraction of what it used to cost. You know. Do you find that like when you are um. Well, I guess, you know, so maybe there's kind of like three prongs to kind of like what you do, you know, like you have done the artist thing, which I think that, you know, you, that's like maybe something you don't do as much of, but like right. you, you've done it, you know, and then there's like the songwriter thing and then there's like the production engineering thing and all that. And so, um, I don't know, out of those three places, I guess, you know, when you're doing like, say you're, you're you've got the the artist hat on like let's say like you know i'm going to i'm going to write some material that that i'm going to you know record and present as an artist you know and perform it and everything do you when you're like so i guess that like maybe a sort of influences your to a degree your writing process do you find that the like you compartmental usually sort of compartmentalize the writing and recording process or like does that stuff kind of get blurred together a lot of times, or I think compartmentalize is a good way to put it. Because as far as like it, I'm actually working towards uh, recording a new record of mine mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of next year. But uh, I definitely write very differently for that mm-hmm. than I do like my my country stuff. You uh-huh. know? And I love country music, uh, and I've even my first record craft that I, that I really put out. It's kind of more country, kind of acoustic, but the stuff I'm really into now, uh, it's just going to be a little bit more indie, indie rock, uh-huh. kind of like mellow, you know. Uh, so yeah, I definitely write differently for that, and uh, 
compartmentalize that. Uh, as far as the prongs go, if I had to pick one or, or the other, I, I would rule the artist thing out because uh-huh. my, my passions are writing mm-hmm. and recording. And I just feel like those two are kind of linked together, you know, uh, the writing and the, re- okay. and the producing. Because I, I feel like the I love to write a song, but then I also love to continue that writing process through the production of it, you know, mm-hmm. and give it that shape that it wouldn't have had otherwise. So, you know? so expound on that for a minute. So like you write something and then it gets into sort of like the recording phase you're saying, or like, you know, production phase or whatever recording and all that, but you're kind of like continuing the writing through that. Yeah. Process. Well, you know, I guess essentially founda- foundationally the, the song's written once mm-hmm. you go to the recording process, mm-hmm. but you know, you think of all your favorite songs that you've ever, like, you heard on the radio for the first time. I bet a lot of that is, uh, the feelings and the nostalgia tied to that is not just the lyric and the melody, but, like, things happening in the song mm-hmm. production-wise. Maybe it's a lick that, that one of the session guys did, or maybe it's a groove. Yeah. Stuff that didn't really exist with just a, a work tape with a guitar right. and a yeah. vocal. And it, it yeah. all becomes part of the, the landscape of what you remember, what makes you feel for that song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So really cool. like, so it's sort of what's like when you're writing, you, you know, you're sitting there and you're just thinking about, I'm going to write this song. I'm going to make a, uh, and explain, you're going to make a work tape. Yeah. Like, sure. and that's all that I'm going to write this song. I'm going to make a little work tape of it and explain what that is. The work tape thing. work tape basically means you turn on your voice memo on your iPhone and you record what you just wrote. Just strum your guitar, mistakes and all, you know, foaming through your lyric. Uh, just get it down in some kind of way you can remember it. Mm-hmm. So that when it's time to record it, if you if you do decide to do that, uh, you got it down. So know? it's almost like kind of like a demo of a demo. Like it's a super just... Like, yeah, it's like not even a demo. It's yeah. like chicken scratch of a yeah. what you just finished. It's like fresh off the press, you know. I mean, work tape, it can be whatever you want, but... I, I call a work tape just I it's finish like a, rough a song. Draft. It's a rough draft. It's your first draft, you know. And you might go back and edit. Yeah. You know? So I was gonna say, like, when you do that, like when you're sitting down and you're writing and stuff, and you're like, you you may go, okay, cool. I'm gonna make a work tape of this, but in your mind, it's not like, like when you're doing that, it's like, I could go back and do some pretty extensive totally. revisions to this song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the idea is, do, yeah. it's just like the idea is like, okay, I've got like the main. A section, B section, and then some like, you know, main standout lyrics, and I'm gonna make sure I get that stuff down, and then so that it's just kind of like the general idea of it's captured, yeah. and then, you know, if you go into beyond that, like if you wanted to record a demo of it or a um, official, you know, cut that's gonna go out, you know, commercially, you, between the work tape and that, it may be. You, you may revise sure a whole do a whole bunch of revisions oh to yeah it. yeah sure thing but like so so then you kind of think about you know there's that thing that about like um you know writing the song it, it it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of like what kind of is a song because you might you're right like they may have like some chords and lyrics or maybe there's like a riff that's kind of cool but then you're right there's like sounds and other riffs that may happen another time that are, that become, um, that become like standout or, right. or, or something that it's, it's a big, it might even shape your memory of listening yeah, to that song, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Cause like, 
I guess, you know, that's kind of maybe part of the writing process. Like you come up with another sort of counter melody that wasn't there before or something. Well, it's funny because uh, I made this joke to a friend uh, or observation more so, but uh, I do a lot of one-off demos for songwriters that they'll come to me and they, they got this song they need demoed. And mm-hmm. They give me the work tape, you know, just the strumming on an iPhone mm-hmm. and I turn it into a, a big old production, you yeah. know. Well, I was thinking about this, you know, in L.A., that makes you a, a co-writer yeah. if you're producing it yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's funny. It doesn't work like that in Nashville. I, I know. Just, I turned it into a, a realized product, and uh, but it's it's more it's contracted rather than being yeah. It's an interesting ownership. thing. We've I've I've had discussions. There was actually um, it was a project working with a a, a famous more famous uh, artist that I won't mention, but you know they had a bunch of their team of you know like a lot of people they'll they'll have like their team so like whenever they go to do something it's like here's all the here's the drummer i'm going to call here's the guitar player i'm going to call you know and they because they have a history and they just know the language like you know it's easy to make a record like that but so we're working on this project like that and and somebody i think it was like the bass player like we had some downtime we just started talking about that stuff and it's true you know and i've seen i've seen it happen where the same thing like you know here's you know listen here's the work tape and the players are going to like listen through it and kind of chart it out and like, cool, let's, let's track it now, you know, and the guitar player or some, maybe a, you know, keyboard player, somebody comes up with a lot of times it's a guitar player, you know, comes up with some kind of riff that's like the signature thing that wasn't there, you know, and, it, and, and it, it is like that. It's like, Hmm, this is a, a weird gray area, right? you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's it, it is after I remember getting in that discussion, it was something that I kind of walked away and was like, "Yeah, I'm a little." There's a conflict there. I don't know how yeah, to settle that. But I, you know, I think you sell it by the way it kind of is now because it's very hard to define. Like, well, what makes someone a songwriter on a song? Well, for one, I think it's the people that sit down to create. You know, initially create the idea and the melody and the main lyric, and I think we also solve it just because those guys are getting paid. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that. You could talk about, well, they came up with the lick. But at the end of the day, the way the system's set up, at least here in Nashville, like you're contracted at a, you know, to play on these records yeah. and you're paid to do so and and to put you're paid to put your creative effort yeah. into that and you know, and, and you can only hope, even without ownership of a song, that you could be the one to create that feeling for someone that mm-hmm. they recognize that song right off the bat because you came up with the lick or whatever. So yeah, it is kind of a gray area. Yeah. But uh you know, at the end of the day, I, I I do believe that the people that sit down in the room to initially write the song, and and they have it pretty much finished, mm-hmm. lyric and melody, uh, are the songwriters. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's, it's interesting the people that so many other factors that come in to like make the song what it is after that. You know, I think it's super interesting. That, yeah, that a lot of times the you know sometimes it is. It's like. Because like um, there's a lot of classic songs that that people know because there's some kind of hook that was played on the guitar, right? And that's the thing that people they'll hum that. It's like it really comes down to a lot of times it comes down to two things. It's like whatever like the hook instrumental hook was like whether it was played on the guitar or was a keyboard or some kind of usually some kind of melodic instrument like that, you know. And it really comes down to like that hook and then like the hook signature standout lyric the right. the thing that you know the refrain of it and those two things you know right. and it's grayer it's grayer in country because most other songs you hear outside of country they're usually for the most part bands that are 
co-writers of the song already. But in country, you're bringing all these guys and gals that like uh, aren't writers on the song, yeah. and they bring those creative yeah. ideas. So it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little grayer in the yeah. It's interesting, realm. but you know it's cool because like to be a guy like you to position yourself in a way that's like you're a songwriter and producer, it allows for you to maybe you know get into where you you could be uh, sort of both. Yeah, that, I can mess up anybody's song, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can too. You know, <laughs> like I guess anybody. That's the the power of modern technology is that like that's that's another interesting thing to think about is just how much um, you can the power of like just using the technology to transform the song. Like it could be, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like maybe, I don't know. Um, especially in like rock music world, you can, you can do, I remember we were working on, even just in the mixing process. I remember I was working on this project with somebody and, uh, you know, everything was tracked. We were mixing it. And in the mixing phase, we got this, um, we just went down this, idea where we had one of those rolling tape echoes you know Mm -hmm. and um we just started going with this idea of like well let's run some of these vocals through this and then and then like just mess with like the delay time and the feedback so where it's because when you do that you know you'll have all this like pitch stuff and like vocals will like trail on forever and ever and ever and so we just like what we did was like routed like mostly like it's the lead vocal through that and then back the output of it back into its own track. So now like we're recording the output of it and then we just made the, it went through the entire song, you know, we're messing with all this like vocal stuff and all of a sudden it, it took this thing that was like kind of almost had this, um, sort of, uh, Rolling Stones vibe. And all of a sudden after we did this and we put this other track on there, it's like, now it's like this Radiohead thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's just, you know, in modern technology, um, you can, you can really mess with something that is like, just even in the mixed phase, right. it could be a, you could change like styles. Yeah. You can totally. change sub genres and styles and maybe in extreme situations actually change the genre. Absolutely. Of the music, you know, that, that's one that, like you said, that's one of the cool things about mixing. You, I, I view mixing as another aspect of producing, like a, you can get so, so creative with it and like you can produce with the way you mix. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, you can shape so much and, and experiment, which leads to discovery and, and creativity. And, you know, it's not just this technical comping and like, yeah. and doing little right. edits. It's right. so much more yeah. as you, as you know, of course, but, uh, I, I enjoy mixing and it's been a fun process to like, I, I feel like mixing is the biggest way I produce really okay. outside of the arranging after the arranging, it's mixing, and then you 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 can shape both ways. Mm-hmm. I think so. What's your like? I don't know. At least at, at, at this juncture in time, how long you, you how long you been at this? You've been you and I've been at this pretty much about the same amount of time. Yeah, I, I mean, we we met in two thousand or so, something like that. Around that, but like professionally, professionally, I I would say that like I probably turned pro somewhere around two thousand five, probably you know i'm around the same boat i mean i started when i went to school uh at mtsu i I got a degree in music business and i wouldn't say i was professional then but i I was starting to like pursue Mm -hmm. more and and get more involved in in town and and networking and all that so 
I got my first deal in 07. That was the first time I really got paid uh, a salary to, mm-hmm. to do music, to write. So, yeah, around then. Yeah. So, throughout all that time and, you know, things have evolved. Like, when you started that, like, it was songwriting, right? I mean, you weren't, sure. you weren't really thinking about... No, the funny thing is, is I actually, I went... I transferred from Lipscomb to MTSU to get a, a degree, a music degree, mm-hmm. and I started out production. Mm-hmm. I started out with the recording industry and production, and dude, I had no, I had no foundation of it. I had no, no background. I'd never messed with it. I was interested in it, which mm-hmm. is why I applied for it. But uh, a couple weeks in, I, I dropped out of production because it was so much stuff. I'd never, yeah. I know, knew nothing about mm-hmm. mics or consoles or mm-hmm. mixing, and I wound up getting a, just a music business degree, but. Oddly enough, uh, after that, I still had this desire. Like, man, I just wish that I'd like to learn. I want to learn. Mm-hmm. So I took a Pro Tools class, uh, like an eleven-day crash course. And and, uh, and was that through just a uh, like a? It was through this guy named uh, Sean Simpson who I, who mixed some Dixie Chick stuff. Okay. And uh, it was a great class, man. I, it was like a eleven eleven hour days for like ten straight days. Uh, and, I, dude, I learned so much. It was a great platform. I think the hands-on was what I needed just kind of mm-hmm. jump in. I got my first Pro Tools rig, and just I just jumped in, mm-hmm. man. And then I just kept learning as I went, you know. Yeah. So after I changed my major, I wound up coming back to doing what I'm doing now. And you, and, you, and what was your – you were a music business? Was music yeah, business I mean – just, just sort of like general yeah. sort of – Okay. I mean, you go through the, the recording industry program there, but, I mean yeah. – Y'all know that we don't need a degree to do what we do, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I have one. Yeah. I, I've got a piece of paper, I yeah. guess. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, as a musician, what were you doing in, at, at Lipscomb? You hadn't, you, when you started there, you hadn't, you didn't, you were just kind of like, you didn't really have a... Yeah, well, I didn't realize, like, I grew up near Nashville, you know, but uh, I didn't realize that I could do this full-time. I didn't understand that, uh, but I was, I guess some people... Uh, told me about MTSU because uh, I couldn't afford Belmont. But, I, man, I got a great education at MTSU. But I, I was at Lipscomb, but I did get a, uh, a minor in classical guitar. So mm-hmm. I did study. I was studying mm-hmm. music. Did that. But I was like, man, what can I do with this other mm-hmm. than, like, play theaters for yeah. the rest of my life? You yeah. Know? Uh, so I decided that – and I was interested in songwriting, too, as a teenager. and uh, But just – my family wasn't in the business, so I just didn't, I wasn't connected to mm-hmm. it, you know. But uh, I kind of learned that, hey, maybe I could give this a shot, and so I, so I did. So you had, so you did have some. You were studying oh, as a minor, as classical guitar, so you were like yeah. learning some music and stuff like that. Yeah, You're still studying. Well, I grew that. up playing piano. I learned a, a lot of theory as a child. Uh, I had a great piano teacher that showed me, that taught me theory, and I didn't know why at the time. It was kind of boring, you know. Yeah. But man, I'm so glad it helped. Once I was learning piano, it helped me learn guitar and helped me learn other stringed instruments and just knowing kind of how music works and like the relationships uh, between chords and helping to learn how to arrange. And so, yeah, when I got into the whole production stuff, that sense of arranging definitely came Mm -hmm. handy and and knowing how to how music kind of yeah does it like when you're how much does that actually play a part when you're like sitting down or you know when you're writing. How much is like theory actually? To me, it plays, I can't put a a price tag on it. 
Really? I'm very thankful for it. Yeah. Okay. So, you, no, so I, that, I know. that's a part of like, that's it's when you're writing, me. that's going like some theory stuff's going on in your mind. Well, it's, I work with uh, a lot of people that, that they have these ideas uh, and they're trying to tell me like what they want and, but they don't know quite know how to present that or like mm-hmm. what it looks like. Well, with the, the theory knowledge, I can hear what they're saying and be like, oh, you, you mean this chord, you mean like a flat three or mm-hmm. a four over six or mm-hmm. what you, you can talk those numbers and you can envision and you know how to uh realize the thought you know and to me and obviously there's a lot of people that that don't didn't study theory and they they write great songs and, yeah but for me it is definitely a tool that's helped me uh in the producing field and 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 the songwriting field yeah. if i want to take it a more or, or a less direct route more mm-hmm. than just one four or five chords you know mm-hmm. so i i personally am very thankful that i had a teacher that pounded theory yeah. into me yeah because it definitely it's definitely helped me yeah for sure yeah that's cool personally so yeah i want to um i want to uh take it back to um kind of like we were talking about like some of the production stuff and kind of like you know what does it look like what does it typically look like um you know i was asking you the first thing i kind of started off asking you about was like the three prongs and you've got like sort of the artist thing the songwriting thing the production thing and there's a certain amount of blending it together but but certainly I imagine that there's you've got sort of a different approach to how all that kind of works depending on what you're doing, whether you're, okay, I'm writing some stuff and like approaching this as like an artist or I'm strictly just writing songs as a songwriter thing or whatever. Um, what's the, what do you find in terms of like studio work and how, you know, the recording process works for you? What's kind of like the difference there and how does, how much does, like his, I imagine like kind of what you alluded to earlier was like your your home studio situation is indispensable, like that you wouldn't really like it's just paramount to being able to to do what you do. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when I started really getting into the studio stuff, like I took that class that I mentioned back in '05, mm-hmm. maybe '06, but that was really that was just a little bit before the home studio thing got super popular. Mm-hmm. Probably like. 2009, 2010 is when it mm-hmm. really started like it's a thing to do. So by the time that it hit popularity and uh and viability, uh I, I knew how to do it. Yeah. And and so I was able, I was like, sweet, I can monetize this, I can offer this as a service to people. And uh I've got a leg up on those that maybe just starting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I um I'm so thankful that I got into that because it's definitely help define like what I'm doing now and who I am as an, as an artist or slash songwriter producer. Uh, and I, I'm, I enjoy always learning more, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, definitely getting that up and going and, and accumulating gear and being able to record is super invaluable now mm-hmm. and having that knowledge and ability to offer that to somebody. Yeah has definitely kept me in the business. Yeah. And how sure. is it, how does it, does it play a part does it influence how you approach writing? Yeah. I, all right. So at the heart of it, like, I'm somewhat of a pure songwriter. Like, I'm totally good with sitting in a room with someone with just my guitar. I don't have to build a track mm-hmm. while I'm writing, you know, because I, I am a songwriter at the mm-hmm. heart of it. I'm not just a track guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, so I love to sit in the room and just write on a guitar. But every now and then, I, I do like to, we were talking about the program Reason. Yeah. Uh, I like to hook that up with Pro Tools. And you can get all, all, like you know dial-ups and crazy sounds and yeah. some awesome loops and, yeah. and build your own loops that that you'll you'll hear nowhere else. You yeah. Know? 
So that's fun to do too. And with some of the artists I've been working with, we're doing a lot of work in reason and kind of building the synthetic kind of pop vibe and uh-huh. then layering some organic stuff so over like, that. Like drum loops and stuff some like that. Some drum loops and like just odd synth sounds yeah. and, and dialing some weird delays and reverbs. And, I'm doing the exact yeah, same thing on a project it's, right now. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and yeah. it's a fun way to work. It, it And there's no limit to the kind of sounds you can create yeah. in a program like that. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I definitely think that when you're doing that kind of thing that it, and you hear different sounds, it kind of opens your mind in a different creative way that you might not have heard just sitting with mm-hmm. your guitar. You know, it's it's like when you, uh, if you have a guitar, even if, if you brought a, a baritone guitar to the room, it, you would hear things yeah. differently because it just right. sounds different yeah. and it opens up. So like, yeah, so like, that. so, so I, yeah, I like that. I think that, I don't know, like for me, I think that, um, I kind of got to a point where, um, just, I think I was always kind of like this. For me, it was always like, you know, I always came from like the rock music thing and like, yeah, yeah um, uh, Siamese Dream, the Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese oh, yeah. Dream. And th- that was like such a huge moment for me. And a, a part of that was because at the time, those were, there were so many like unorthodox sounds for that time. Sure. You know, and it's funny when you go back and listen to it. It's like now that seemed, it, it kind of seems like almost in a way there's, I mean, it's just how things have evolved in terms of like, there's even more bizarre stuff now. What but, year was that record? Like, uh, I think it was 93. That 93. one came out in 93. And, and then, you know, even uh, Melancholy, their next record that they did put out in, in, in 95. That's right. Very, you know, at the time, like the riffs and, and, and the arrangements and how they approached, you know, the, the song structures and stuff, it was odd and very unique, but it like worked in this weird way. And so, I don't know, it was a big deal for me. And that's kind of how I came you know, of, of age in music and as a musician. And so it was always a lot about me was like, I needed to have an electric guitar plugged into a distortion pedal to kind of like create some kind of, sure, you know, and that, if it wasn't like, you know, I, I was never the guy that picked up an acoustic guitar and started playing around on a few chords to come up with a song. Like it, it, it was the, the sonic that weirdness of it had to like be a part of it for sure. me to know how to, right or something and i think that that's you know true today with like reason and synthesizers so um do you find that uh i imagine i mean you know there's the there's sitting down with a, a guitar and just like playing and then opening up and doing a work tape but then there's like how does it influence in terms of you know okay do you ever just let me find a weird sound and that's going to be the thing that sort of is the seed for like, here's the song, you know? Right. I'm, I'm definitely doing that more for yeah. sure. It's fun because like you just hear things differently when you hear whatever sound it's yeah. going to evoke an emotion or, or thought or spark some kind of even a lyrical idea off of a sound. Yeah. I've enjoyed doing that for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but it's funny you mentioned the whole, the, the, the 90s era was such an incredible time for music man can you imagine like hearing i remember hearing the the riff or teen spirit mm-hmm. by nirvana for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. i'd never heard anything like that yeah. and that dude they just opened up they opened yeah. it wide open man yeah. and it was just like amazing the 90s that put out some amazing music yeah it was a weird it was a, it was a weird time of just you know there's like because at the time i don't know if it's kind of funny to 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 take each era like take now and then just like keep rewinding yeah. And looking at each era and how every era of music, you can start to see a pattern of right. why it's like, okay, well, we've had like 
five to 10 years of this certain kind of thing and people get like, it just gets stagnant. And so people all of a sudden start doing like weird stuff to shake it up and then right. that creates sort of like this new sort of like style and people are, then that's taking off for a while. And, you know, and it's funny to kind of like see just the evolution of music and, and oh, like yeah. anytime that you're in the moment, it's like, whoa, that's like really weird and bizarre. But then if you go, if you, if you wait 15 years and then go back and listen, it's just like, oh, that's kind of vanilla. I mean, there's like, you know right. what I mean? Not that it really is vanilla, but it's just interesting to go back and go, well, you know, it, Vanilla is in like it. Ha- it has a spot. Yeah. Whereas before you heard it, it sounded brand new and it yeah. didn't fit anywhere. But then yeah. all of a sudden, you listen back ten years later and it's like, oh, it fits in this category. Yeah. Where it, whereas when it was new, it didn't. Yeah. Exactly have a category. Yeah. And it's just funny because it's like you know, like all that time of the '90s and that kind of music, and it was like, whoa, this is weird, not a left field, and you know, but it was still just like you know, it was rock, like it's uh, Nirvana. It was just like a three piece rock band. Yeah. You know. Um. You know, and they didn't have keyboards. They just had guitars, bass, drums, vocals, you know, and there was really only like two guitar parts, you know, very, most people didn't really layer up a lot of vocals. It wasn't like these big, thick harmonies. Things weren't like super slick. Soundgarden, same thing, no keyboards. Um, you know, they... That was my first record that got confiscated. Really? Yeah. Super Unknown, that one? Uh, down on the Upside. Okay. Yeah. It got confiscated, huh? <laughs> yeah. the, what, the lyrical, it just seemed so, to... There was something about suicide on there. Or oh, there was. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a big trigger one. Like, anytime, my mom would get triggered anytime there was something about this illusion of, like, killing somebody yeah, or... That it's going to trigger Kill down. yourself or use drugs... But the thing is, is like all that stuff is not, you know, a lot of those lyrics aren't, it's not like, you know, commit suicide. It's a metaphor about like, you know, a certain thing emotionally dying off or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And but sometimes yeah. actually killing yourself. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's pretty dark. But anytime <laughs> there's some, there's some of those, some stuff that get pretty dark and like, honestly, any of the, any of the stuff that's like that, where it's just like straight up, like literally Right. You know, I'm like, mm, that doesn't resonate with me. But anytime it's like a metaphor for like, you know, some, some, well, other... the 90s is all so much metaphor and yeah. that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah so much, like, so much because it's just funny how that works. People, a lot, because, you know, it's pretty known at this point openly that, you know, Kurt Cobain had a heroin thing, you know, and I don't know. That just, it takes your psyche to a place, you know, and you have a certain, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just already wired that way, and that habit is just an extension of like the way that you think, and that songwriting is just an extension of the way that you think. It's kind of a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Right. And maybe each they then they start to play into each other. You know what I mean? One thing ex, ex, sort of ex, exaggerates the other thing or whatever. But yeah, it's it's funny, man. It's it's interesting to like look back at how like you know all that stuff was a response to hair metal. Which everybody's like, right, I'm tired right. of hair metal and hair metal, but hair metal at one point was a weird, the weird left field thing. You know what I mean? And then it got to be, it got to be just sort of, ugh, nobody was like, this isn't resonating with me. And so people, so then like you had these grunge people come through and do all this right. stuff, you know? It's cool to think about that too, that, that you and I could be part of shaping what's going to be known as our sound. Yeah you know, 10 years from now. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, and it is funny too, to think about, there's a lot of times when people want to be like, you know, like that, that era of music is, is timeless. It's, it's, um, 
you know, it's not, it's never going to be dated or whatever, but it's so funny. I go back and listen to stuff from all kinds of different eras of music. And it's like all of that fall to me. It's all dated. It's funny. And people like grunge music's like, Oh, this stuff is not going to be dated or whatever. And then like a lot of the stuff like back, people talk about, you know, stuff from like the seventies, early rock and roll, hard rock, you know, Led Zeppelin. And then like rock and roll, like um, the Beatles and stuff. Um, people are like, oh, it's timeless and whatever, but it's not. Like everything has its like it's a certain. It's funny. How it's well, just, I think that that dated has kind of a, a negative rap sometimes, but I, I think it's what makes it great. Yeah. But if it's it's dated because it it takes you back to a time, yeah. it take, makes you feel something, it evokes uh, a nostalgia that something new just simply is not mm-hmm. going to give you for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. So I think that the dated in a sense, you know, is a really great thing. Yeah. Because it, it's the thing that kind of makes you love music yeah it takes you i I remember where i was when i heard that song i remember who i was with what i was feeling what i was going through it was it's dated yeah you know yeah that's awesome yeah what's one of the uh what's a what's a standout song for you in that 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 brings back like i remember all i remember exactly you know where i was when i heard this song what i was doing in that era of my life you know yeah one of those one that comes to mind is uh Fire and Rain by James Taylor. Uh-huh. Uh, I hear that opening riff and I can just, I feel what I felt like when I was a kid, like trying to learn guitar uh-huh. and like ha- having him as an influence and trying to learn his stuff and and just that time in my life and where I was living and like, it's definitely a powerful song. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs. And uh, that that one definitely comes to mind. Cool. James Taylor was a huge influence and and just the sound of his guitar. I can, I can hear it right now in my head. Yeah. And, if I hear the first two notes, I know it's fire and rain. What was the moment, the artist that you heard that was like the first time that you ever was like, bingo. Okay. That's it. That's that. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I think that, uh, man, that's a, that's a good question because I wasn't always was not sure about the artist thing, Mm -hmm. but I do remember on the parallel for songwriting, listening to the dance by Garth Brooks Mm -hmm. and, uh, and thinking, man, that that song is so good. And I was trying to kind of write some songs. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not that good. Like that sounds so easy. But mm-hmm. I was trying to write songs, and it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And, but I remember listening to that song and thinking, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to write. Mm-hmm. I want to write a song that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think more on the the songwriting parallel that definitely comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artist wise, I didn't seeing artists and I was like, I've got to be on stage. Yeah. But it was more on the songwriting sure. level. Right, right. For me. Yeah. So it was the actual song the dance? Yeah. Cool. So that was like what was that, ninety one or ninety? I do remember I was uh I think I was fifteen or sixteen listening to it went more intently. I, I can't remember when it came out, but I remember I being around that age listening to the song and uh I wound up performing it at high school talent show, but uh but yeah, that song resonated as far as like, man, that is a great song. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got me into writing a lot more mm-hmm. for sure. Cool, man. Cool. Well, speaking of songs and all that, um, why don't we take a break and listen to uh, another song that you uh, that you brought here and uh, play? Yeah, let me. Can I preface that real quick? Yeah, totally. Uh, this song is called High School Cafeteria, and uh, <laughs> it's basically a, a a social commentary, a little microcosm of like my experience at my high school, and just kind of ex- it's very. Uh, 
I didn't exactly fit into a, a, a clique per se. I had a lot of friends, but I, I never felt like that I really quite fit in. And it's basically, I think, a montage of most people's experience in high school and just kind of a, a quirky little nod to, to that time in your life, kind of awkward and trying to find out where you are in life and who you are. So uh, it's it's kind of a little fun little yeah, thing. Yeah, it's cool. Cool, man. I think that you... I think that you colorfully captured the emotion of, of things. So, um, yeah, let's check out, let's check out this song and cool. we'll come back and talk more. Always kind of grossed out by the hair net that wraps around her strand of gray. The lunch lady slaps manufactured pizza upside down on my pilgrim tray. Then I turn around. Where to now? At this table, there are skateboarding coke heads with needle marks on their arms. There's the Caucasian polo wearing preps Whose daddy's bought them brand new cars Except for the gay black kid Yeah, they think he's hilarious At a high school Cafeteria, who's cool? Mass hysteria, everyone here has a place they fit So how come I don't know where to sit? Where to sit in this high school cafeteria? Ooh. Oh, on a scale of one to ten, that table's all 4.0. The jocks and the goths and the soon-to-be moms have all claimed the last three rows. And right there you'll find the sexually active, good-looking, mean girls with orange tanner stained on their hands. And I'm not sure why the choir and the theater kids are making fun of the marching band. But here I stand, Trey still in hand. Cafeteria, who's cool? Mass hysteria, everyone here has a place they fit. So how come I don't know where to sit? Where to sit in this high school? Cafeteria. Oh. I don't belong here. On this stage Am I the only one Who feels this way In this high school Cafeteria Who's cool Mass hysteria Everyone here has a place They fit So how come I don't know Where to sit In this high school Cafeteria, who's cool? Mass hysteria, everyone here has a place they fit. So how come I don't know where to sit? 
somebody around here there's one thing you gotta do you gotta be aggressive be aggressive be a-g-g-r-e-s-s-i-v-e be aggressive be aggressive be a-g-g-r-e-s-s-i-v-e yeah be aggressive be aggressive be a-g-g-r-e-s-s-i-v-e yeah be aggressive S-S-I-V-E. Awesome. High school cafeteria. That's yep, yep. Killer, yeah. Just a picture of my life back yeah. in the day. That's <laughs> awesome, man. I think, yeah, it's a, like I said, it's like super colorful um, description of, you know, a lot of kind of high school life. Right. It's cool. And I didn't really, there's there's really no opinion to the song. It's, it's an observation. Yeah. It's like what... I remember my high school. It, it was yeah. such a, a melting pot of, of yeah. personalities and people, and uh, I just thought that was kind of a funny way to present it. Right, I guess it's know. cool. And so that was um, also a part of the Ionian project. Yeah, the Ionians. It was uh, myself, uh, my buddy David Willis, and Brett Smithson. We wrote a handful of songs, and uh, that was that was one of them. Cool. Uh, and we had a good time recording all this stuff. And, so that was uh, how long ago was that that you did that project? I remember when it came out. We did that. Uh, I think we released it in 2010, and uh, it was such a makeshift project. Such a, uh-huh. I mean, we we put up an SM57 to a snare, and just that would be our main snare, you know. And yeah. We would record cymbals separately. I mean, it was all just such a put together. Uh-huh. But it was kind of quir- it's such a quirky project that I I can listen to it, listen back to it, and be like, yeah, that that was a fun project, mm-hmm. you know. So it was just the idea of like having just like doing something different. You yeah, shake it up every shake once it up in a while. Bit and get, and just, like get into something that's outside of what your like normal is, I guess. Get a little weird. And, yeah, uh, we kind of wanted to make it a little bit of a conceptual project too, uh-huh. from start to finish. So it was fun. So it was like something you did just for fun. Like, did you what? Anything ever? You ever do anything with that? Or? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was. We did put out a record. Uh, I think it's on iTunes, but. That's not the stuff that I really pushed. Today, I, I wanted to play a couple just to kind of go back in time a little yeah. bit. Uh, and I do, I like the song, so yeah. I just wanted to share that side of yeah. what I do too. But uh, yeah, we didn't really uh, even plan to monetize. We basically wasted our money making it. Well, you just, it's <laughs> like, because you know what? Like, you know what we do when we're, when you're pursuing what we do, we're just it's it's just really a our hobby and you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. just kind of the thing where it's like you you work on stuff you do it professionally you you work to make money and all that stuff and then it's like cool you know now i got some free time or whatever what am i gonna do well i guess uh i don't like do the free version a, of what i do yeah, yeah. i just turn on a guitar and a pedal and a synth and make some music like you know yeah that's cool that's a good point like it i think uh for both of us i think that we we love music so much, and uh, when we're not getting paid to do it, we like it as our hobby too. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, to, and that's where you can you can find a lot of creativity to take into your professional mm-hmm. realm when you're just chilling on your own and just jamming. And, yeah, and not even thinking about any kind of business. Just, yeah, just playing for the love of it. Yeah. Do you ever find challenging? Uh, on, uh, all that being said, sometimes I find it 
I run into a challenge of kind of like burnout with that where I'm like, all right, cool. Like I just got done with all this work. Let me have some free time and do more of the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, to an extent. Yeah. I I think we mentioned the word compartmentalize. I think that I I so much more easily get burnout on the professional end of things where I'm I'm having to do specific projects or, or whatever and meet different deadlines. I can kind of view the just sitting down and picking up my guitar and in my PJs and just, laying on the couch and playing Mm -hmm. is a completely different thing, Mm -hmm. you know, where I can kind of just zone out. Mm -hmm. Obviously I like to do other things other than just music, but I I can kind of get into a place where I can have it as a hobby and not think that I'm still working, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes I do just want to get away from music just for a minute, Mm -hmm. just to, you know, go hiking or whatever. Yeah. What are some of the things you do, um, that that are like you know yeah well I I take a big uh, backpacking trip every year mm-hmm. uh, get I've gotten to hike some amazing spots like Yosemite and Montana up in Glacier and and the Tetons and and Zion National Park and spots in Maine uh, I'm going to uh, Mount Rainier this in about a month up cool. in Washington State cool so I've gotten to see some amazing stuff and that definitely clears my mind big time yeah. I'm trying to just re recharges yeah, the battery man that's awesome how long usually are those trips about a week we'll usually hike anywhere from 35 to 50 miles and camp throughout out. the course of a week yeah yeah well you know we'll do like you know five to seven miles a day or whatever it is uh but yeah that definitely something i need just yeah. to go out and discover earth you know a little bit yeah of, so you just load up a bunch of stuff in a backpack and yeah. you guys just camp out the whole time yep pack our tents yeah. and sleeping bags and you bring a guitar? Heck no. Yeah. No, no guitar, guitar. None of that. It's just like... I, I, take even... a, I take a clean clean break. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That really helps. You come back feeling like... Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could do it a little bit more often. Maybe a couple of those a year, but... Yeah. One big one a year is pretty good. Yeah. Too, That's cool. But... So, um, here's here's some stuff. You know, I remember I was kind of thinking back and I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to spend a little... get. I didn't spend any time reviewing like the first time that I had you on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to do that just to kind of remember kind of what we talked about and what I asked. And I do remember some of it. And I remember one, at one point, I think that like to revisit some of that stuff, uh, would be totally, I'd love to just like revisit some of that. And I remember one thing that I asked you was about, um, talking about like finding kind of like fodder and inspiration from music oh, yeah, and like yeah. where you draw one guest that I had on talked about the idea of like filling up the well and i really like that expression you know just like exposing yourself to you know having experiences and 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 um you know just collecting ideas reading and all that kind of stuff what's your what's your kind of your process for for that kind of stuff yeah i actually i remember your question and i remember my answer Mm -hmm. uh and i'll say it again and uh for me a big part of it is being still and being mm-hmm. quiet and and being and observing mm-hmm. and and not doing anything, just kind of watching. Mm-hmm. And you can pick up on uh, different situations, different people, and uh, what they're going through, and just kind of observe, take note, and mm-hmm. maybe compare. Like, am I feeling that, or is that something I relate to? Um, but yeah, aside from that, uh, I draw inspiration listening to other music that might spark a different kind of idea and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
And of course, reading some material, you might see a word or a phrase or something that kind of, or what people say. I don't know. They're, the the well's endless. Yeah. You know, to, yeah. to draw from. Yeah. Uh, but often when I'm not trying to write and I'm just chilling out and I'm just watching and observing, something will hit me. Mm-hmm. Is it usually, um, like, how things usually start for you? Is it, a lot of times, is it like you're sitting and you go, oh, man, a lyric? Or you're newly on the guitar and you're like, ooh, that riff is cool. Like, where do you find that things usually kind of, like, start? Yeah, it, I mean, for me, it's all the above, you know? And, and more recently, like we were talking about, is is uh, getting in the studio and uh, starting to build some kind of crazy track out of mm-hmm. nothing and just discovering sounds that might spark a groove or mm-hmm. or get you thinking in one way or another. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of times, uh, especially in the co-writing world, when I come in to write with someone at another spot, a neutral mm-hmm. spot, I like to have lyrical ideas, particularly uh, something to kind of maybe base an idea, uh, you know, so you do verbal a little, idea. You like do maybe like just a little bit of sort of, I guess, like prep work or like sort of like initial sort of like write, collecting of ideas. Yeah, to I bring. like to. Yeah. Some people will go in blind, and I'll go in blind sometimes too. It depends, but uh, I do like to at least have two or three things maybe that shows that, hey, I put effort into coming to meet you today mm-hmm. to show that here's an idea. Maybe they don't work, which is fine, but mm-hmm. I like to at least have something to take to the, the writing appointment. Mm-hmm just to act like I care because sure. I do care, you know, yeah, and yeah. I wanted like something I've thought of, you know, yeah. and whether we use it or not, that's not really the point. It's just, right. I like to have some sort of preparation yeah. for it. Yeah. And how often are you doing co-writes and stuff like that? Right now, uh, two to three days at the most right mm-hmm. now. Uh, like I said, the, the produ- production's pay- paying the bills mm-hmm. and, uh, I got to keep that a priority mm-hmm. while that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, definitely still writing mm-hmm. at least a couple times a week cool so yeah cool do you ever feel like um is there any what like what would be maybe a challenge that you've experienced around kind of that that thing you know like i always sometimes you know it's like sometimes i feel certain kinds of challenges around you know stepping into maybe there's um i don't know whether it's like this podcast sometimes yeah you know i, I I want to be like, well, there's a certain level of preparation I want to do. And then there's like, I, I, but then there's a part of me that, you know, I don't want to do preparation right. for certain, you know, um, do you ever have any like going into it and feeling like, or even like working with a certain, you know, not some guests, some guests that I have that I'll have on. It's like, Oh, like, okay. Like I get a little bit nervous about it or whatever. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Do you ever have experiences like that where you're like, okay, this is like, um, any like writing of, with a particular person? Yeah, like, writing with a person or like feeling pressure about needing to have come to the table with some, a certain thing. Sometimes, or, yeah, it's it's unneeded pressure because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all individual creative beings mm-hmm. like getting together trying to make something happen. But sometimes I'll have a perception that I need to be, oh, I really need my A game for this particular person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might put some unneeded pressure on me to come up with something. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, I look back and it's never necessary mm-hmm. you know but yeah sometimes i'm more i might be more amped up for a particular co-write because this person's done this and that and that and like i want to be a part of that you know yeah. whatever uh it just depends on the day yeah. and all, but sometimes it, for me it's all about the vibe uh i can write with 
somebody super successful and established, but if we don't have that connection, that vibe, I don't necessarily care to do it again, you yeah. know? Uh, relationship over, you know, the result, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, anyway. And I imagine, and it's always like a specific chemistry, like, yeah, you know, like, somebody may have, somebody may be like, you know, this hit maker, and they just have this chemistry with this person, but like, but with you, it's like, hey, I respect them, but, but, it's just not my vibe. And so right. maybe this other person is like my vibe. Cause it just seems like we're right. coming up. It's like a specific sort of like chemistry. Yeah, I, I feel like I pretty much get along with anybody and mm-hmm. everybody. And there's only, I can only think of two or three co-writes from like, that's the worst thing I've ever been mm-hmm. a part of. I never so go ahead and give again. us their name. Yeah. yeah. Here's the name. It's a little, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's rare when, when I come away from a write and be like, man, that was just a complete waste of yeah. my time. So, like, you know, now that you're experienced, do you find that, like, what's the difference between when you were starting out, you know, did you, is that something that you've just kind of gone over with experience? Like, just going, you know what, I know that, I, I got this, I've been doing it a while. Yeah. Or, or Or were you always just kind of that way? And just No, I, I've i always, uh, the whole confidence thing, you know, uh, feeling like what I have to bring to the table is worth something. Mm-hmm. That took a long time for me to to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like I finally, if I can say one thing, how I'm different now from when I first got going is that I know that I can bring something to the table and I know that it's worth something and doesn't mean it's going to necessarily gel with the song that's in the room that day, but that's not going to uh, undermine or devalue what yeah. what I am and, right. and who I am. Uh, and I'm comfortable. I'm way more comfortable in my own skin. Now I'm approaching my mid-30s in mm-hmm. my mid-30s and... I'm cool with that. Like I, I go into meetings now and I feel confident. I don't know what's going to happen, but at least I am comfortable and I'm yeah. confident and I can express myself and, yeah. and be firm in who I am and yeah. what I'm worth, you know. And yeah. that feels good, you know. I wasn't able to do that a few years ago. What what is, what's the difference? What what brought you to this place where you know there's experience, there's age, there's maturity, all that. But then what 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 would you attribute to like you know breakthroughs and habits and ways that you know where you how you developed it. I just, yeah, I guess aside from the, just the growing up part of it, uh, just getting better as a musician and, and getting better as a producer and knowing that I can confidently offer a service to someone or bring an idea in that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that we've all gotten better over the years. If, if you keep working and just trying to learn and, and, uh, and grow, I think you will. And it, it'll manifest itself in how you externally respond yeah. uh, more confidently, you know? So what was your, what was your, like the first, your first real cut that you got that was like legit real deal. Like this is it. Like it was kind of your first moment. What was it? First cut? Like, yeah. Like with, you know, you, you wrote a song and it, it got yeah. cut and this is like on a legit, like this is going out there. This is yeah. like, well, my, the first one, it was pretty much right off the gate. When I first got signed, I wrote a song uh, with Bonnie Baker called the extra mile uh i think we took three sessions to to finish it mm-hmm. uh we came back and kept hammering on the lyric like we were talking about revising. like three writing sessions three writes okay yeah three writing sessions i mean and long sessions and that's and that's not usual or that's like, not usual for me okay. uh all right but usually I, I can write a song and and in a, sh- a session maybe three four hours and feel really good about it and maybe make a couple revisions but mm-hmm. this one took about three six-hour sessions to really hammer out oh, wow. like a couple okay. lines but once we got it we knew we had something special and 
I think we got it demo demoed, and the demo was pretty magical that moment. It was came out killer. We got it pitched, and very quickly we found out that Emerson Drive, uh, they just come off a of number one on a song called Moments that they were going to record the song, and and they did, and uh, through whatever series of events they wound up uh, not releasing as a single. Uh, and they went with something else, but they did wind up releasing it as a single in Canada. Okay, and it's done well up there. It was a top ten for them up there, and cool. you know, I still get a royalty check from that cool. song, and that's been since two thousand six. Cool, or no, two thousand seven. So that was the, your first moment of like, all right, you know, yeah. Like, and it happened pretty quick. Like how you, you, that happened quick. That happened yeah. within a matter of uh, a couple months yeah. after we wrote the song and demoed it. So what was that like? What were you? What was it? It was the most validating feeling it was the coolest thing and even before that i remember finding out that they were going to record the song and they were performing at cma fest on the stage outside of bridgestone arena and i went and and i went uh with some buddies and uh i remember them coming on like and now we'd like to play our next single and they go into the riff of my song yeah dude that was the the best moment as a young professional that i could remember having because that never happened to me before yeah so they started what, playing my song, and I was, dude, I was on cloud nine. It was yeah, amazing. That's killer experience. Yeah, that's killer. So what even were you, more so than them actually cutting it. That, that yeah, moment. yeah, because that's yeah, because you're you're there with the people. I was surprised. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's, I was hoping that they would play it. I didn't know, but they yeah. said we'd like to play you what we think's our next single. They start playing the extra mile, and I, it was crazy. Yeah, it was really really cool. So what was like? What was going through your mind? What was like? What was that like emotionally? What were you just? Man, it's just, uh, it was a good feeling. It was an amazing feeling. I felt, I guess, important. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that had never happened to me before. Uh, it's something that you kind of dream of and you want someone to play your song. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just kind of those thing, one of those things that you, like I said, you work for. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happened in that moment. So I was, man, I was just uh, yeah. walking on clouds, man. That's awesome. It was man. really cool. That's cool. I won't forget it. Yeah. And that's kind of what, that's why you do what you do. Yeah. To experience right. those little moments. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome, man. Um, we can probably, you know, start to um start to kind of close out the show and um, you know, I know you gotta get to a write and stuff and I should probably get into some writing myself. But um you know, in the in, in the theme of uh one year podcasting, this has been this so this is the like I said multiple times on this episode uh, that um, this marks like the one year, like yeah. 12 months worth of original different content for this show. And it's a milestone for the show, which is cool. And it's, and so I've been like, kind of like taking, you know, last episode and then like the first part of this episode, I was um, talking about uh, just kind of what I've learned and what I've, um, how I've grown, you know, in like the last year and stuff. And is there anything in, in, sort of in your life uh, where when you reflect on like the last year of your life, you know, like how have you grown and like, what's, what's kind of been these, what's a milestone, what's a milestone for you and like, you know, an achievement and, um, you know, accomplishing what you kind of set out to do in the last year's worth of plans. Well, yeah, a couple things come to mind. Uh, More tangible is that I'm working with, uh, on a couple of records I'm excited about uh, with a couple of artists. 
Is there? Is, are you allowed to say who they are? Like well, the yeah, there's a young girl named Jenna Paulette from Texas. I'm super excited about her. We are gearing up to go into the studio. We've been building some tracks, but we're going to get a band together and uh, expound upon that. She's got a great sound. I'm very excited to unveil that mm-hmm. to everybody. Uh, she's special. She's got a, her own vibe, mm-hmm. so she'll stand out. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, but also just from the the mental standpoint of the business, I've learned that uh, that I'm still doing what I love and what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing. And because mm-hmm. I had a couple things go on uh, last year that may, maybe made me question a little mm-hmm. bit, like, mm-hmm. man, why am I still doing this? I'm mm-hmm. still. But that's been validated just through perseverance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It just the creativity always comes back, and, and you want to. You can't do anything else. I can't. Yeah. Uh, so. And then work's just gotten yeah. super busy, man. And I'm yeah. very thankful for it. So I guess I'm doing the right thing. But yeah, I, I think just like I, I keep growing and, and knowing that I'm doing the right thing and it's it's all going to pay off. Yeah. So like per, from what stands out in your mind, you know, that's a little bit maybe put you on the spot a little bit. But what stands out in your mind in terms of just like, you know, personal development, personally, the Paul Sykes of one year ago versus the Paul Sykes of today and just like, you know, you and like outside of what you do with your life, but just you and like how, how you exist in the world, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting. We kind of played upon this a little bit earlier, but just, I feel like my confidence level in a healthy way is rising all the time. Like even last year, like I'm playing songs at your first podcast and I'm all nervous. Like I'm Mm -hmm. still nervous Mm -hmm. and like all this stuff. And I don't know, even today I just feel like, even more calm and mm-hmm. like I could play my songs and with without like stressing over it, you know, yeah, and I've always yeah. struggled with that always, uh-huh. but I'm getting better at that. I'm enjoying performing more. I just think it's just me being more comfortable with who I am and what I offer and, and take it or leave it, you know? Yeah. And I've never been able to be that way, but I think that's something I'm kind of growing into. So hopefully what's, what's been sort of like the biggest, the biggest thing that's allowed you to kind of step into that power just, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that, uh, constant pursuit of what you're, I think it's the desire one to feel more confident and more empowered. And maybe that, that thought process has manifested mm-hmm. that happening, you know? Cool. I just think, uh, just always trying to grow, you know, Killer and, uh, man. That's awesome. Just trying to do it. Awesome, dude. Well, what a great, uh, what a great episode. What a great way to end one year of this podcast and uh, have you back on. Man, and, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's man. always good. It's and, been fun talking with you yeah. this time and and learning from you as always and hearing your music on the show and everything. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we'll do it again awesome, sometime. man. So you alluded to that you are gonna be writing for some more stuff that you'll be doing yes. putting out as an artist. You're doing a lot of production work right now with some really um, exciting new. Projects projects um you've always got some you got a number of things in the pipeline right now where uh where can people stay in touch uh see what you're currently up to your you know there's always where you can grab your your albums that you've got out currently and but then also just like you know whatever maybe get on right. your email list and stay in touch with you for for everything that you're working on yeah um, you can find me pretty easily i'm on the major social media outlets facebook instagram uh I enjoy Twitter. I don't use it so much for music as just telling stupid jokes. Yeah. But uh, my website, www.paulsykes.com. Uh, that's S-I-K-E-S. I've got my record, Craft, uh, on iTunes, as well as my most recent record, Out of the Mud. 
both on iTunes. You can find me there uh, working on new music. Uh, e- easy to find. Killer, man. Awesome. Thanks we'll for having all me. That. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. And, uh, you know, we'll do more of this. Um, we'll link you all up in the show notes and all that. And, um, yeah, definitely, I think I said last time, and I'll say it again, uh, definitely be, uh, want you to be regular around here, man. Good personal friend. I really value your uh, your friendship and 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 it's just it's just always good energy, man. You're one of yeah, the, man. I love you're, coming you're back. You're one man. of those quality people I know. No joke, man. Dude, thank so you. I acknowledge you for your pursuit of this and and your relentless like passion for it, and your musicianship and your songwriting ability, and and that's good, man. It's awesome. Well, like really yeah. really valuable for me to just have around. You well, know? it's nice so. to chat with a buddy that I can just let loose with, and yeah, I don't feel like we're on a a podcast. Yeah. We're just, just yeah. chatting so I appreciate yeah. it man cool man awesome um, you will uh, we'll be ending the show with another one of your songs and uh, I believe the title is Hold You Back is that's that right awesome so um, so that's coming up here in just a second and uh, that's it that's it for one year of the Modern Recordist thank you all for uh, listening and being here for, for for a year and making this show what it is and it's been it's been an amazing journey it's been you know um, it's been a lot of challenge uh, to do this but it's been so rewarding and and you know that is um that is uh it's it's because you listen you know and um so i thank you for that i thank you for being a listener and making making this show what it is and um yeah it's just it's amazing it's it's really cool to just be in this moment of like reflecting on uh, this this milestone so thanks for that thanks for being a listener thanks for making this show awesome um you know, make sure you get subscribed and stay subscribed as always. You know, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from producing new episodes of this podcast just to focus on some behind the scenes stuff. But there's still going to be a constant stream of uh, episodes coming out every week. Just uh, I'm, we're going to take the time to kind of go back and, and replay some of the stuff that we've recorded over the last uh, year of guests and things. So um, there is an opportunity to catch some some great episodes that uh, maybe you've missed or the opportunity to catch some stuff that you've already heard once, but maybe pick up some new ideas from. So get subscribed, stay subscribed. There's two main ways to do that. One is by going to my website, johnstinson.com. That's J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. Remember, there's no H in John. Put your name in the email and uh, get subscribed to the email list. I'll make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast. In addition to that, I will, uh, I put out stuff about recording and mixing and songwriting and creative flow and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lots of goodies there, but if you're more of an iTunes user, you can fire up your podcast app. You can fire up iTunes on your laptop or desktop or wherever, click or tap the little subscribe button, search for the modern recordist, click or tap the little subscribe button there. You'll be all, uh, you'll be all geared up to receive uh, fresh episodes every week of this podcast. While on iTunes, make sure you take, it's literally like two seconds to leave a rating and review. Good and honest ratings and reviews. Cue other people into the value that you're getting out of this podcast. And it helps us to continue to produce great content and bring on great guests that you value and you're getting something out of. So make sure you do that. And lastly, If you got something out of this episode or any episode of The Modern Recordist and you know a friend or three that would also get something out of it, uh, send them a a link in a text message or an email or a Facebook post or a tweet or somewhere online and let everybody know how much you're enjoying listening to this podcast and how much value you're getting out of it. So that's it for this week. And there is more for you next week. 
So uh, in the meantime, uh, make sure you continue to live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and continue to create impactful things in the world. And now enjoy uh, Paul Sykes playing us out with his song, Hold You Back. It ain't every day a smile like yours comes along Funny how you don't even know But I can see you in New York or out in Hollywood Cameras flashing everywhere you go You're the best kept secret this old town has ever had And if they ever find you out, I don't want to hold, hold you Needing you to know, oh, oh, I want you happy. And if you wanna go, oh, oh, I'll help you pack. But if you wanna throw, oh, oh, your arms around me, if you think I'm where it's at, then I'll hold you back. Nothing gets me smiling Like when I see you smiling Curled up in my flannel shirt But part of me thinks the world Should get a chance to see The girl I love so bad it hurts You can fly so high And you can get there fast So baby who am I To ever hold you Needing you to know, oh, oh, I want you happy. And if you wanna go, oh, oh, I'll help you pack. But if you wanna throw, oh, oh, your arms around me, if you think I'm where it's at, then I'll hold you back. I'm needing you. Oh, oh, I want you happy And if you want to go Oh, oh, I'll help you pack But if you want to throw Oh, oh, your arms around me If you think I'm where it's at Then I'll hold you back Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be glad to hold you back